sunscreen, quite often it will actually have oxybenzone. You know, when you talk about the effects on the human body, I mm. mean, they're endocrine disruptors, which means that it, it messes up your hormones and it can do all sorts of stuff. I mean, in fish, it, it causes them to um, change sexes too early. Oh, wow. But yeah, but in humans, I mean, it can do all sorts of stuff, cause um, diseases and cancer. And, um, you know, if you're breastfeeding, it'll go into the milk. And welcome everyone to another episode of the Ocean Pancake Podcast. Today I am joined by Caitlin from Eco Conscious Diver Podcasts. So here we have two podcasts hosts talking to one another. We had a really great chat about all things podcasts, how to be eco-friendly when we're scuba diving, and a little bit about some of the exciting projects coming up. So how to make scuba diving more sustainable, how to include ocean uh, conservation education in scuba paddy diving courses and um, touched upon the differences of diving in Australia and the US. As always, it would mean the world to me if you could leave five star reviews or any star reviews, we'd like five, um, on iTunes and subscribe wherever you're listening to and thank you, really Thank you so much for being here. I love doing this. I love having the opportunity to talk to all these incredible people and it's all thanks to you and listening. If there's anyone you'd like me to interview on the podcast, please send me an email on oceanpancakepodcast at gmail.com. But you can also help out by becoming a patron on Patreon or donating. Everything is on the oceanpancakewebsite.com. Also, make sure to join the community on Facebook. We're almost at a thousand people, which is blowing my mind. So a thousand ocean lovers, ocean goers, ocean divers, all working together to protect our oceans and our planet. So head on over there. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean, whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution. If the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. All right, good morning, everyone. Well, it's 7 a.m. here, so that's... That's what I'm used to saying. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast. Today I'm here with Caitlin, who is the founder and host of Eco Conscious Diver Podcast. So we have two podcast people here. Welcome to uh, Ocean Pancake. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I haven't actually interviewed anyone who also has a podcast. So this is this is a new thing. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, your journey on how you started and how you got a podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, I, I started my podcast um, 
I guess a couple of weeks before quarantine started, Mm -hmm. which was perfect uh, because it's actually (laughs) like kept me really connected and I don't feel like I'm just kind of like at home, (laughs) you know, not talking to anyone because I'm always talking to new people. Um, But I I really started it just because I wanted to get an idea for what other people in the community were doing in ocean conservation and diving. And, you know, I mean, I have big dreams of what I want to do with Eco-Conscious Diver. And I think the best way to research, you know, what has been done and what you can do is just to speak with other people. And then it became this thing of kind of telling other people's stories and helping support other people um, that are also in this field, too. So it's just really become a cool project. I'm, I'm really happy I did it. Yeah, I think one of the best things about having a podcast is just the amount of incredibly people I've been a babe. <laughs> Sorry, it's so early. Uh, I've been able to speak to and to connect with and learn from. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, even us, you know, like I followed, have followed you on YouTube for probably a year. So <laughs> oh, really, I've been following yeah. on, um, on Instagram for a while. And then um, do you, do you remember the post you made about, uh, you know, something about missing diving? during quarantine and that post went viral on uh girls that scuba and all those things and I was like hey I know her (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true I guess everybody was missing scuba diving huh it's like (laughs) yeah yeah so what what's happening right now in Florida is scuba diving back on are you guys allowed in the water (sighs) um some operators are still um allowing scuba I'm on the gulf side Um, And over here, it's uh, not as much, but um, I think on the other coast, they are. I haven't gone scuba diving yet just because I'm a little scared of how many people they're going to pack onto the boats. Yeah. Um, I did go snorkeling with manatees a couple of weeks ago, and um, we we like got on a boat that was only four people, so we were really spread out, so I felt like that was okay, but yeah, still kind of warming back into it, I think. Yeah, we're very lucky up here because we're so isolated that, like, (laughs) we had three cases in town, I think. So we never really stressed out about the whole situation. So That's cool. And you're in Western Australia, right? Where are you in Western Australia? um, So I'm located in Karatha, which is about a a short six-hour drive north of Ningaloo Reef. Okay. I, I don't know really where that is. I've been to Perth. <laughs> so it's um, an 18 hour drive north of Perth. Like you oh, just wow. keep driving for like three days <laughs> and then you reach us. Get how, like Australia is so huge. <laughs> I mean, it's astonishing. A lot of people here are not fans of the area. You know, they're very, you know, cause there's no trees and it's very red and there's a lot of dirt and like, massive rocks but I think it's astonishing I mean taking a moment to appreciate how diverse our planet is and okay if you were up here and you did not get in the water I can understand um because it gets to like 47 degrees in the in the summertime I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit but it's hot <laughs> yeah um, but the oceans are incredible like the I've never seen biodiversity like that. Every time we're in the water, we see a dugong or a manta ray or a humpback whale or at least two, three species of sharks. Um, so it's really incredible to, to be able to do that in such an isolated place. Oh, that's awesome. 
Very cool. <laughs> so what's diving like in Florida? Um, it's pretty tropical here. Um, so uh, pretty good visibility. I mean, um, there's the barrier reef. Um, it's not where I'm living here now, but prior to this, I lived in Key West for two years. So it was like mm -hmm. right on the reef. Um, and it's, it's still a pretty good reef. I'd say it was comparable to Thailand. Um, I went to Thailand a couple of months ago. I don't know if you've dove there, but, um, got my dive master like there back in the day. <laughs> oh, you did? Very yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, I felt like it was comparable. Um, I definitely missed the reef. Um, I'm, uh, I didn't know how much I would miss it until I moved up here. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I always think I can't move away from, from the ocean for any amount yeah. of time just cause I miss it too much. I'm thinking that's going to have to change for me <laughs> pretty soon. So, um, eco-conscious diver, what kind of guests have you been having on or do you have, well, like, what are your focuses? So clearly eco-conscious stuff. Do you focus more on like sustainability of what people buy or like NGOs that are working to protect our oceans or kind of, what kind of people have you had the chance to speak to? Oh, um, so initially I, I sort of thought that I would mostly do people that had um, projects, mm -hmm. you know, like marine protected areas and, and things like that, which I did interview some marine biologists that are doing things like that. Um, and then, you know, it sort of blossomed into um, speaking to some people that owned dive shops. Um, so I interviewed um, Kayla, who owns a dive shop in um, Dominica in the Caribbean, and, and they focus on eco-conscious diving and getting that perspective. Um, and then, you know, I've also had on um, Sarah, the founder of Girls That Scuba. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she also has um, a, a waste-free shop online as well. So um, that one was sort of different too. And then I recently just had on um, someone who owns a or started um, a kelp jerky regenerative agriculture um, kelp jerky which is pretty cool and so it's it started out one thing and now it's I've, I've really sort of just anything I think that my listeners would find interesting you know yeah um, and anything I find interesting if I'm like I want to talk to that person you know <laughs> then <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. such a big part of it is if you're curious there's certainly other people who are asking the same questions and want to learn about that area yeah for sure I mean because we definitely like started our podcast because this is something we're interested in you know <laughs> so I think that you know if people are listening they're definitely interested in the same things we are so that's pretty cool and the the kelp jerky tell me more about that did you get to try it what does it taste like yeah so she actually um sent me uh three different packs um and they have different flavors kind of like potato chips um and my favorite one was rosemary and barbecue because i think because it tasted a lot like meat um oh yeah and yeah, but um, it has so much iron in it that, I mean, I ate the whole bag just while I was talking and then, <laughs> like telling a story. And then I was full, like, you know, I ate it like at the beach and then I was like completely full all the way till dinner, which was awesome. So I'm definitely going to buy some because I, I mean, that's like a game changer for snacks, I think for like camping and stuff. I definitely recommend it. I would love to try that. I mean, in my house, we're the snack kings. 
<laughs> I never used to snack, but my partner loves the snacks. So our cupboards are just filled with all sorts of treats. So getting oh. any sort of more eco-friendly um, options would be great. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel you. I'm like the, the popcorn queen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, when I traveled so much, I never really had a chance to snack or um, being a poor uni student, you know, <laughs> I would just just eat the normal rice and beans and all that. But now, you know, I'm an adult, I can snack. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I like all I ate was popcorn and in college, whenever I was studying and my uh, roommate would like get so mad because there would be popcorn all over the floor and so <laughs> sweep it underneath my bed to like get back at me because I would have like popcorn everywhere. <laughs> That's too good. So what did yeah. you study and where did you study? Yeah. So um, I studied advertising and communication studies. At Very Texas cool. State University. Yeah, so it was in um, San Marcos, Texas, which is 30 minutes south of Austin. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to go to Texas yet, but I definitely want to. I've heard such good things about Austin, especially um, in terms of the food, that I'm very excited to check it out one day. Oh. Yeah, you haven't had tacos until you've had them in Austin, Texas. That's for sure. <laughs> I've heard that. So tacos are my favorite food ever. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so I've been looking at your website, which is amazingly done, by the way. I feel like I'm just doing a massive shout out to your podcast. So yeah, everyone go and listen to the <laughs> podcast. Um, Thank you. But I'm seeing a couple of things that you are mentioning and one is the Gilly gear. So I wanted to ask about that because it looks gorgeous and it's from repurposed materials. So what, what repurposed materials? What's the, what's the story behind this gear? Yeah, Guys. so I think the majority of their stuff is made from recycled uh, plastic. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it's upcycled. Um, they're absolutely beautiful bags and they're made by a dive instructor. Um, who lives in Colorado. So I love supporting um, their work and um, their bags are just beautiful. Yeah. I get compliment on mine every time I use it. They're awesome. Um, so I definitely, definitely support them. And I also have um, all of the stream to see all of my favorite products um, on, on the website too. So stream to see for those people who do not know is um, a mineral sunscreen which is ideal for your face, body, and it's also reef safe. So I think I've like glossed over this in many of my podcasts, but what is exactly reef safe and why does sunscreen need to be reef safe? Yeah, so um, specifically sunscreen, uh, most of it has a chemical called oxybenzone in it, which mm -hmm. makes it clear. And that's in chemical sunscreens. Um, that's what they use to make it clear. Um, and they've actually found that just a small, small amount of this chemical um, in like an Olympic-sized swimming pool can actually kill a coral. Oh. Um, it's like an insane ratio. Um, and obviously, we're, we're losing our coral reefs at an undocumented rate. And um, so that's one of the main things. Um, but all of Stream to Seas body care products have actually been tested Mm -hmm. um, and proven safe for fish and coral larvae. Mm -hmm. 
um, because a lot of body care products actually um, keep coral from being able to um, settle. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they actually did do testing on the fish and the coral, um, but we've been backed up by, um, you know, many organizations who are traditionally against animal testing um, because we did it with the purpose of, um, you know, sacrificing the few basically to save the millions that are going to be saved by using these products. Um, and I say we, I'm the, I'm the marketing director of stream to see so. <laughs> Very cool. Well, you know, you studied advertising, you got to put it into the eco-friendly stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually really nice to be doing advertising for a, a job that I believe in. I spent yeah. many years, you know, working for magazines and stuff that didn't really do that. Um, and I kind of just felt like I was adding to the noise you know, and now I feel like I'm doing it with a purpose, which is pretty cool. Yeah, totally understand what you're saying. So that is fantastic. Um, I know I've been having trouble to find reef safe sunscreen, even here in Australia, which is just insane, considering how much of our economy depends on the Great Barrier Reef and how many reefs we do have. Um, and one thing I've actually found is if you're looking for reef safe sunscreen and you unfortunately do not have, you know, access to things like stream to sea or because of COVID shipping's difficult, that if you look for um, sensitive sunscreen, quite often it will actually not have oxybenzone. Um, so sunscreen, which is made for children or sensitive skin, they don't put this ingredient in, which just makes me think like, do, should we ever be putting it on our face? <laughs> we don't no. want to put it on our children or on sensitive skin. Oh, no. And I mean, it's actually, you know, when you talk about the effects on the human body, mm -hmm. I mean, they're endocrine disruptors, which means that it, it messes up your hormones and it can do all sorts of stuff. I mean, in fish, it, it causes them to um, change sexes too early. Oh, wow. But yeah, but in humans, I mean, it can do all sorts of stuff, cause um, diseases and cancer. And, um, you know, if you're breastfeeding, it'll go into the milk. Um, it's just awful stuff. Once you, once you do a little bit of reading into it, you'll never let your friends or family put it on their body. You'll be like slapping it out of their hand. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been creating that shift over here. Just, just <laughs> going through the back of every sunscreen bottle. Like, no, we can't buy this. We can't buy this. Um, so I've gotten my friends and family on board, which is great. Um, but yeah, we found that um, all the like child friendly or the sensitive skin ones, even if they're not, uh, you know, like certified reef safe or they're not from a company which is overall reef safe, they will not have these toxic ingredients, which just, I don't know, it blows my mind. It's like with anything you put on your face or makeup or hair products, like why are we covering ourselves in chemicals that we don't think are safe for children. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... yeah, it's, it's insane. And, and also, you know, um, one of the biggest problems, I'm not sure what regulations are in Australia on this, mm. but in the U S um, there's no regulation over the terms reef safe. Oh yeah. So actually the, a lot of the brands that claim to be reef safe are the worst ones. And they're literally just slapping that on the front and then you turn it over to the back and they've got all of the bad ingredients. So you've just got to read your labels. 
Yeah, That's- it's it's all about the labels. I have a label guide on um, Ocean Pancakes, so if anyone's curious, because I saw oh. N- Nivea is I don't know how to pronounce it, but they they have a sticker on it which says it. Um, uh, how do how do I put it that it it's accepted by the Hawaiian Reef Safe Bill, like it's certified to be, um, that's all good according to that. And then I turn around and there was oxybenzone in it. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> like how? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot of corruption in the, in the sunscreen industry. I've just been blown away, you know, after working at Stream to see, I'm like, wow, this is like a crazy business, you know? And a lot of people, you know, pay money to stop testing and all sorts of stuff. It's unfortunately all the, the little sunscreen companies get stomped out by the, the big ones with the, yeah. with the butts, you know? Yeah. But there's yeah. some really great ones. And again, I have massive lists of, um, especially if you're in Australia, I have lists of where you can buy them in like the chemists and the, and the shops over here. So I made a big list. So I'm sure you also have, um, you have resources on where they can get stream to see in the US because I don't think I've seen it here in Australia. No, um, unfortunately, we don't have distribution there yet. Yet. We are working on that. We really, really are fighting to get into New Zealand and Australia. So, well, we would love to have you guys here because we, I just, I just want to get rid of all the other sunscreens. Like, can we just make this the norm? <laughs> just make it non toxic and reef friendly. I know, but you know, I mean, I feel like everyone's waking up about this stuff and it's, you know, it's becoming where hopefully those companies will have a harder time staying in business because no one will buy that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, it's all about educating people. And I think that's, that's kind of where we sit um, with Ocean Pancake. It's always been a goal to, to provide as much education to the general public who are interested because I feel like science is so often just filled with jargon and it's the papers are not easily accessible and it's so hard to kind of figure out what you're meant to be doing that um, having this podcast platform it's so great because you just get to chat to people and get to talk to experts and they like bring their walls down and I don't know I've, I just love it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that's the, the biggest barrier, you know, with science education is just getting the science across, yeah. um, you know, here's the science and here's what we should do with this, you know, and because, um, you know, people want to help and they want to do the right thing and um, they just need the information. So hopefully that's what, that's what we do. <laughs> um. So in your perspective, what makes an eco-conscious diver? Do you have like five steps which outline it or what, what do you say that, um, what, what do people have to do to be one? Oh, um, well, I mean, I'd say, you know, eco, an eco-conscious diver definitely um, wants to learn more about the environment um, mm. and is conscious about the environment while they're diving. Um, and is educating those around them, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that's one of the main issues. And the reason I wanted to start this is that I saw there's so many people and even dive instructors, you'd be so surprised that are making their money, you know, on coral reefs and just not caring about what happens to the environment. Yeah. 
Um, and you'll even, you know, you'll hear one of their students ask them like, well, what kind of fish is that? Well, what kind of coral is that? And they want to know. Mm -hmm. And these people just don't care to even educate themselves on the environment. Yeah. Um, and I think now more than ever, you know, tourism is leaning more towards ecotourism, which is awesome. People want a more in-depth experience and they want to learn about it. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, definitely wanting to learn more and then passing that on to others, whether it just be on a dive boat, when you're having a beer after the dive, you know, picking up trash on the dive in front of other people, they see that and then they'll start doing it. It catches on like wildfire, you know? Definitely. Leading by example, I always um, try and encourage my students to, you know, just pass it on, be a good diver and then other people will see what you're doing and copy you even if they don't necessarily know what is going on <laughs> yeah yeah and you know I mean I know you you asked um what the steps would be and I don't know that there's necessarily steps um because I feel like it's just continuous it's like mm -hmm. a continuous journey of education and trying to stay up to date on what's going on and um you know just applying that knowledge that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and just now there is odd. Oh, one good thing about the COVID quarantine is I've seen so many podcasts pop up. So you you came around just before it, but then we also have Mads Ocean who created the Ocean Potty, uh, which I just love the name of. So it's it's growing, and I think um, awareness about our oceans plight is definitely increasing. Uh, so we're all kind of moving in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, cool. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's it's just new, maybe like a month or two, uh, but absolutely beautiful. Like her graphics are, she, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so now that we've kind of covered what it is to be an eco-conscious diver, what are some of your plans with the podcast or in general, the the movement? Like, what are you aiming to do with the project? Yeah, so um, I guess I can tell you, you know, what I've already kind of got going on and then what's coming up. Perfect. Um, so Eco-Conscious Diver is, um, it's more of a, a, full, a full business. Um, mm -hmm. The podcast is one aspect of it. Um, um, but I also teach uh, scuba diving courses through Eco-Conscious Diver. All of them have eco-specialties attached to them. Um, nice. I'm a patty scuba instructor. So, um, you know, all of them have either project aware or fish identification. Um, I don't teach any courses without those. Um, of course I have the podcast. Um, and then I just, um, created that shop that has, um, you know, the bags and the sunscreen. I hope to add to that collection as mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I really want it to be curated of things that I actually use and love and advocate for. Um, and I just created um, Eco-Conscious Diver merchandise, which is Ooh. all created on demand. And most of it's 100% cotton, so it's biodegradable. Um, I just really wanted to be careful with that because I know that there's, you know, a lot of extra merchandise kind of just gets thrown in the trash. So I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I've also had events. Um, last fall, I had a beach cleanup. I definitely want to do more events. Unfortunately, at this time, it looks like 
that's not happening at this moment. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But um, coming up, so th- this actually has given me an opportunity to work on some other things, um, which was getting the shop set up and um, something that's really exciting that's coming up. And I'm hoping it's going to be done by July 1st mm-hmm. is an online course that Ooh. I'm creating. Yeah. And it's, um, I'm super, super excited about it. <laughs> so um, it's a six hour long course and it's a complete introduction to marine conservation. Love that. Uh, yeah. So it actually in- includes two uh, patty specialties, um, the project aware and coral reef conservation. And then it has a whole bunch of other information about um, the ocean, how we got to this place, some of the, the events, um, uh, in the ecosystem that led us here, you know, um, bleaching events, that sort of stuff. Um, and then things we can do in our everyday life. And then also, um, I've put together a survey, um, mm-hmm. dive that people can contribute to. So the database is actually going to be on the eco-conscious diver website and then divers or snorkelers, um, can actually do this survey and then contribute. Um, and I'm going to, I haven't decided how long I'm going to host the study for, but Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of an introductory way for people to kind of become part of the science, I think. Citizen science, it's the way to go. Because, I mean, we have so many people diving that we might as well be using um, that mass of people to uh, gather data. Because just having scientists do it is sometimes, you know, quite restricting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I get so many people asking me, like, how did you get into scientific diving? How do I do that? How do I get, um, you know, people even who have graduated with marine biology and they're like, how do I get experience? Mm. Um, I'm hoping that being able to do these on their own is maybe just something they can add to their resume or give them experience, you know? Definitely. But for people who are interested in doing this kinds of stuff, it is important that you remember for, for data to be valid, there needs to be, you know, um, I'm forgetting all my words, <laughs> like the controlled variables. So it's very important that they take, they take your course or really carefully follow the instructions of the outlines of what data is required just so it can fit into the whole scheme of everything that you're gathering because that's one of the things that scientists have talked to me they're like people are so interested and they want to help but you know if you do want to help you have to commit to it you know you have to take that time learn exactly what is needed and stick to those rules yeah absolutely and that's part of why um i'm making it to where you know people can't contribute unless they take the course yeah no that's awesome necessary yeah just so they know what's what's going on because there's so much i mean i've been diving i've been because i was a diving instructor as well (sighs) i say was because it's been about a year (laughs) um and it blows my mind because for the first six years that I taught diving, I always included, you know, eco-conscious kind of um, words in my brief briefing and ensured that I was focusing on, you know, the plastic cleanups and uh, conservation and waste and all those things. But I didn't actually learn that much about fish identification until I um, lived in Comoros in these little islands um, just north of Madagascar. 
and I had to learn everything by myself. Uh, and that was after I taught for five, six years because my instructors never taught me, you know, they were like, oh, that's a fish, whatever, who cares? And w once I started to learn by myself, I got so excited. I mean, I wouldn't stop talking to any of my uh, students about how to identify fish, that you have to look for the fish shape, the color is irrelevant, you know, like that <laughs> there's groups and families and uh, the families behave in certain ways. And these are actually more sustainable for the locals to be fishing because they're pelagic and, you know, they're not residents and just, there is so much you can learn um, by yourself if you don't have the opportunity to go to a course such as you know, Caitlin is creating, or even if you're landlocked somewhere, just, you know, look, look at David Attenborough documentaries and get a fish slate and see if you can identify the fish. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of, um, I mean, I did take, um, you know, fish and coral identification courses um, mm -hmm. at, at the college in Key West, but a lot of what I've done is um, merging underwater photography with fish ID. Yes. And so I do that on my own. Like I go on dives and then I take photo. Like if there's something I see that I don't know what it is, I take a photo of it and I yeah. go home and I'm like looking up to find what it is. <laughs> oh, definitely. So. Um, and now I live, I live in a place where fishing is a massive thing. And my partner loves spearfishing. Um, and it's, it's hilarious because I have a whole new perspective on fish now. I mean, because I never hunted fish. <laughs> um, but he knows all the species. You know what I mean? And he has the books and identification. So now I'm learning even more species that I didn't even notice because they're not as pretty or they're not <laughs> like on the tropical coral reefs. But now I'm getting to know a whole different range. So it's just really being open to whatever situation you're in and taking the ID book. That's the most important thing. Just getting yourself a good fish identification book. You should add that to the shop. That's, <laughs> that's a good, <laughs> good thing um, to offer to people. Cause I don't know, I feel like online, I don't know if you ever try to ID fish online, but the, the websites are just not really up to scratch yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And the and uh, people will blog and put that a fish is one thing and it's definitely not. So yeah. don't trust what people put. <laughs> yeah, don't trust the Google image. <laughs> no. Yeah, most of the time it's wrong. Yeah. Or you got to look at like all of them and be like, okay, they're mostly this fish. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Amazing. Uh, so you teach and you do marketing for stream to see and you have a podcast. I mean, you're really a, a woman who's crazy busy and just doing all these amazing things for the ocean. Uh, what keeps you motivated, especially in difficult times? Like right now, the U.S. is going through, I don't even know what to call it, but how do you stay focused on, on the ocean? when there is so much happening in the world with the pandemic and I don't know, we've had so far this year, we've had a cyclone, we've had fires, we had the pandemic. You guys have had. Oh well, yeah. We had murder hornets, whatever those are. They were yeah. like, I need to kill us. I don't know. We had so many things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think honestly, just my love for the ocean and, and um, just the excitement of, you know, sharing it with other people. I mean, um, 
it also helps that um, here in St. Pete, I feel like uh, the diving isn't as good as it was in Key West, so I'm mm -hmm. not diving as often. And so um, I have a lot of extra time um, where I'm focusing on all of this other stuff that I'm building. I'm mm -hmm. calling this my like my business year. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this year and you know focus just on this stuff and get it all built out. Um, but it, it gives me a, a taste of the ocean, even though I'm not in it all the time. You know what I mean? And so it's helping me just as much as it is like, hopefully giving back to the community, you know? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I'm definitely diving less now than I have in the past, but I feel like I almost needed a break. Um, hats off to all the diving instructors who've been diving instructors for years and they dive every day because um, I did that for about a year and it just, it's tiring. It's a lot of work. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know, when you're diving every day, all you're going to do is go get a beer <laughs> yeah. and then go home, you know? Yeah. You, you need to rehydrate and sleep. Yeah. Honestly, if I was still living in Key West, I don't think any of this stuff would have happened. Um, you know, I really built all of this out here in St. Pete because I was diving less. So sometimes it's good to, you know, take a, a breather. <laughs> yeah. Just take, take life as it comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, there is um, another upcoming thing I'm excited about, um, which is some equipment type pieces um, that I'm working on. I actually just filed the patent for it today. <laughs> um, oh, congrats. That sounds thanks. complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not, but, um, but I'm really, really excited about it. And this was kind of like my end goal thing whenever I first started Eco-Conscious Diver, but I was like, oh, I'm going to like wait and build everything up before I do that. And I just decided, why am I waiting? I should just do it all in parallel. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's, I, I can't say too much more about it just because it's all still in development, but um, definitely look for that. <laughs> I'm excited to see that. I mean, I've, I've been working on some equipment things as well. And honestly, I've been losing a little bit of steam. So hearing everything that you're doing is really, you know, inspiring me to, to get back onto it. Cause I feel like one of the difficulties when you, you know, you run your own business, um, is that it's quite lonely. You know, you're, you're in your own bubble. You're talking to yourself a lot about what you should be doing. <laughs> um, so it's good to talk to people like you who are doing this stuff as well on the other side of the world. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's cool. It's cool to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, like you said, I mean, it's busy a lot. I'm working my full-time job. And then, you know, more often than not, I have stuff I'm doing at night too. And, mm -hmm. um, but it kind of goes in, in phases, I feel like. Yeah. I'll go through a phase where I'm just like working 12 hours a day and I'm like, I'm going to finish this, whatever it is that I'm on. And then maybe I won't work on it for like a week, you know, I'll give myself kind of a break. So I think you don't have to be on 24 seven, you know, got to like have um, personal time too. It, uh, you know, yeah, yeah definitely. when you rest and you're more like motivated to get back at it. So I think it's just as important to rest. Yeah, but. I know what you mean. I've, um, this year has been a big change. I'm a full-time pupper mummer now. So I have two, two wonderful dogs. 
um, <laughs> which awesome. it's too easy to just hang out with them all the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I, I'm begging my boyfriend uh, for us to get a dog. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's quite, it's quite the responsibility. It's, it's hilarious. Anytime we go anywhere with our friends, we're like, can the dogs come, you know, and bring a little bag with all their stuff. It's <laughs> <Aww. laughs> so cute. Um, fantastic. Well, I think um, that's kind of covered just the, the top of all the amazing things that you're doing. Uh, and I'm definitely excited to hear the updates and just see how, how um, Eco-Conscious Diver grows and the amazing people you get to speak to. Cause um, yeah, I've, I honestly love, love, love um, the, the episodes I've listened to so far. I haven't had a chance to listen to all of them, but. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed your podcast as well. So I'm, I'm excited that I've been on it now. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, how often do you release your episodes? I mean, you already have 10, which is amazing. Everything from kelp jerky to uh, diving instructors, sharks for kids, um, love the oceans. I talked to Francesca as well. Isn't she amazing? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Talk about a woman on a mission. She's doing mm. so much stuff. It's amazing to hear. That's motivational for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, um, oh, but um, so I... I don't know. It kind of depends on how busy I am with other stuff, but I've, I've been trying to do one a week. And I think last month I only did two for the month. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself to put one out every single week because it is a lot of work. I mean, I'm sure you can attest. It's like, you know, hours of post editing. So yeah, you always think it's like, oh, it's not going to be this bad next minute, like three days later. You're like, wow, how am I still doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then when you hear the final product, you're like, oh, it was worth it. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Um, I did listen to some of my old ones, like um, my first couple of episodes. And one of them, I don't know what happened in the editing, but the whole thing shifted and I didn't notice. Uh, and I'm like, whoops, well, we learn and we grow. So for anyone who wants to... <laughs> go back and listen to some ocean pancake podcasts, just like start on like episode five, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. I feel, I feel like, um, you know, I guess I'm on episode, well, I just did episode 11 that interview yes, or, uh, the other day. And um, I feel like I'm just now sort of like, I've really got the groove and like all the editing down. It does take a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. to like figure out how you like it and how it sounds best. But you know, it's a constant process, right? It's like yeah. art. <laughs> oh, definitely. It's, it's a form of art, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, all media is. So I want to end the podcast with the question that I ask all of my guests, which is if you have one piece of advice, I know you have many amazing pieces of advice, but if you had to pick one uh, to give to people that they can do wherever they are to help our oceans and our earth, what would it be? Oh man. I mean, hands down, it's reduce your plastic. Okay. We got yeah. reduce your plastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you know, reduce plastic consumption like you, and that's, you know, anywhere. I mean, um, if, you know, if you think your trash goes away when you throw it away, it doesn't, there's no away on earth, you know? And so yeah. if you can just buy less of it, um, find ways to reuse jars, 
you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I keep all my jars from coconut oil and I, you know, I made my own um, coffee face scrub the other day rather than buying a plastic bottle of it, you know, just, just try to make it fun. Do make Pinterest ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it works and, uh, great. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, there's just a lot of little swaps. Um, it's very easily Googleable, you know, just eco swaps that you can do. You can kind of go house by or um, room by room in your house, you know, like I kind of started with my bathroom and now I'm working into my kitchen and, um, you know, just swap one a month. Yeah, something. there's so many, so many resources, but I will also say if, you know, if something's not broken, like there's no need to get something new. So if you still have some plastic in parts of your house, just use it until you can't anymore <laughs> and oh, then yeah. get an eco alternative because there's no point throwing it out and just buying new things. That's putting a lot of stress on our planet. Oh, for sure. I, I think I had a bag of like 30 pink razors Oh, yeah. um, that I had bought and it took me like two years to get through them and when I finally did I was like yay I finally get to buy a safety razor <laughs> but it, I, mean, I used every last one so that's so good have you heard of leaf shave um I haven't actually they so I really wanted to get a safety razor but um I cut myself on my legs a lot because I'm impatient. So I was really nervous about just, you know, skidding myself a little bit. Uh, and then I found Leaf Shave, which is basically like a plastic razor. Like it looks like one, like if the same shapes and everything, but it's made out of metal, like all parts of it. And you just swap out the blades as well but it's got like the movement of the head and everything just like a normal razor. And it's changed my life because I'm no, no longer afraid of slicing myself, but highly recommend um, checking those guys out. Oh, no, that's awesome. Cause I, I do get a lot of people when I recommend like getting a safety razor, they're like, no, there's no way. Like I cut myself with a regular razor. So I'll, that's awesome. I'll yeah. To recommend <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Maybe it's another thing for your, um, for your great shop. Um, I did yeah. want to actually ask you one thing that I just remembered. Um, I haven't actually had many scuba divers on here, especially not eco-conscious ones. So how do you deal with the fact that diving is such a resource-heavy sport and how much trash there is associated with diving? And I'm talking all the scuba gear is made out of plastic, basically. All the packaging of the dive gear is in plastic. I mean, I'm not sure if you've worked in a shop before, but unpacking yeah. snorkels or anything, you're just left with mountains of single-use plastic bags that they come in. So even if it's not in the shop, it's just so much yeah. plastic. It's, um, it's pretty unbelievable, you know, that a sport that makes all of their money off of the ocean as a resource is um, contributing that heavily. Um, and that's actually why I've decided to get into equipment. Um, <laughs> so you actually like hit that, you know, right on the nose. Um, but I mean, you know, I'd say at this moment, um, the, the way that I would, the only way that I would combat that is just saying that showing people the marine environment mm -hmm. um, makes them care about it more. Um, and so in their everyday life, they might make better choices because they've actually seen a reef, yeah. you know, or, or seen the underwater worlds. And then, you know, when they learn more about this 
you know, hear someone talk about making these swaps or whatever, they're like, oh, well, that resonates with me because I've actually seen that. You know, so I do think it's a double-edged sword because it's the education that we need to show people to make them care. Um, but it is contributing um, definitely to plastic and that it just kills me. Um, you know, the, even um, I, I was uh, helping with coral restoration and I had a, we all were, were required to have a noisemaker. Mm-hmm. And um, the only one I could find was a plastic one at the store. So I had this plastic noisemaker on and then we're in like heavy waves. And all of a sudden I see this little yellow thing popping up in the waves. And I look down and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Oh, no. Noisemaker. And I just was like, I just wanted to cry. I was like, are you kidding me? Like here I am trying to help. And I just let this plastic, you know, um, but that's, that's pretty much my motivation for the equipment that I'm creating is, is exactly that story. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I've definitely lost some items overboard and then you beat yourself up so much cause you're like, I should know better. Yeah. It's an <laughs> awful feeling, you know, but it's, I think the tides are changing right now. And, um, you know, the, the people with the big bucks who have made all this equipment are also, you know, mainly part of a generation that hasn't really cared about conservation as much as ours had. So I think that's a reflection of that, but I think the upcoming diving generation does care. So I hope to see that change with all of us. Well, I know I'm very excited to see what you have in store. So you'll have to keep us updated. And then once your mystery project is revealed, maybe you can come back on and tell us more about it. Oh, I'd love to. That's great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Thank you so much for your time today, Caitlin. Um, Where can people find you? Um, Yeah. So I guess uh, the easiest way to follow my journey is... Um, on Instagram, and it's C-S-E-A, Caitlin McCall, and um, the podcast is at Eco-Conscious Diver, and the mm-hmm. website is www.eco-consciousdiver.com. Fantastic. I'll also have all these links in the show notes, as per usual, on Ocean Pancake, so you can always head on over there if if you um, want to check out any of the things that we've talked about, I know I'm going to be trying to get myself one of those ghillie bags because my dive bag um, died. So um, it's time for a new one. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good excuse to get a new one. There you go. Yeah, need it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much and uh, we'll chat soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Once again, Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, your busy, busy day to be here with me. I really enjoyed learning about everything that you were doing and what an inspiration. I don't know about everyone else, but I am feeling pumped to get back to work and to create some positive waves of change. As always, I need to say thank you so much to Graham Mose, who is the mind behind the music in this episode. Uh, He makes wonderful music. He's based in Brisbane. You can find him online, Graham Moe's Music, or you can head on over to a gig once uh, bars and everything open up. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you in next week's episode.